Hello there, and welcome to Kingdom of the Logos. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, and we're going to be talking about the truth of Holy Week. You see, the truth of Holy Week is that any one of us could have been laying down our coat for Jesus on Sunday and crying, crucify him by Friday. However, the more important truth of Holy Week is that Jesus went to the cross, so we did not have to live that way. And understanding this truth is fundamental to understanding how we persevere through the difficult situation we are in with the coronavirus and how we will persevere through this moment and who we will be in the future. Victory in this moment is wisely persevering without crippling our spiritual health or losing sight of what matters most in life. So as I said, welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure produced by clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, and let's open up in prayer. Our Father, Lord, I ask that you come and be with each and every one of us, whether we're in a studio, we're in our homes, we're listening to this through our car. Lord, be with us. Bless us with your wisdom, your strength, your encouragement. Lord, let us not lose sight of what is important in life, but let us see your holiness and let us live as the men and women you have called us to be. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. So, the truth of Holy Week reminds us that we are in a very dark moment. Last Sunday was Palm Sunday. It was a beautiful moment. People were laying down their coats. They had their palm branches saying, Christ is King. But within just a few moments, they would be crying, crucify him. It's a very dark moment in the history of humanity, but we did not have to continue on this path. We do not, and we have hope. We have redemption. So God did not give us the breath of life so that we could lay down our coats declaring that Jesus is king and then go and say, crucify him. We as the church, we have a calling and a commission to be better than this. And we can be. Right now, we look around the world and we see so many people responding to the coronavirus and the situation there with it. And again, there are two issues. There's the virus itself, and then there's the second issue of how we respond to the virus. I see two real responses in the church with how we deal with this. The first response can be summed up with this picture. I have some ladies here in the church. They do quilting and things of that nature, and their lives have been restructured with everything going on. But nonetheless, they've been at home making little masks. And as you can see, they are quite talented in their skill with needles, um, much more so than I, or more than I would ever imagine to be. But nonetheless, they are being ingenuitive, and that is a very, very wonderful thing. And now, the other reaction I see is basically people shutting down and not doing anything. They're kind of just listening to whatever the, the next news cycle is, whatever the next governmental statement is. And again, victory in this moment is us. We as people wisely persevering through this without crippling our spiritual health. And if we surrender all of our rights, we surrender all of our wisdom to the government, we let the government make decisions on life and death. When again, they have no credibility on the issue of life and death. Then we have lost our ability to be the voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. So here we are with the church right now. And the second response I see really is that of turning to the government. And to encapsulate this, we have a situation where there was a father arrested for playing with his daughter in the park, citing coronavirus restrictions. And I've got this pulled up here. There's even a little video clip where you can see this. This actually happened. A guy who was a former Colorado State trooper, he was handcuffed in front of his six-year-old daughter for playing, you know, t-ball in a park where no one else was there. That is not rational. 
And there are other cases where people have been arrested for being out in the, the ocean. They've been swimming and paddleboarding by themselves, even going out fishing completely alone and get arrested for breaking quarantine rules. Again, that's not rational. That's just the government trying to exercise control. There's always a real possibility in history where a crisis will come that's a real crisis and someone like Nebuchadnezzar will step in. You know, the Israelites weren't first up to bat against Nebuchadnezzar. You know, first there was Necho, the pharaoh down in Egypt, who comes up and kills King Josiah. And they thought that was the worst thing that could ever happen. But they had no idea what was waiting for them in Babylon. We as the church, we need to be in that first category where we are being ingenuitive personally. We're on the front line of this. This is the the calling that we have. God wants us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, and we need to be the men and women who rise up in this, not just people who are waiting to see what the government's going to do because they're going to do things which are not rational, and they're not healthy either. They're not dealing with this on the spiritual matter. But we as the church, we're in the middle of Holy Week, and as we draw near to Easter and we continue living in this era, we need to hear a message regarding the truth about human nature and what it means to live in a fallen world. When God said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. When God said that in Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, he was telling the truth. And it was also true that when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, people really were laying down their coats for him. They were tearing off palm branches and declaring he was king. And of course, historically, this means they're giving approval to it. They're saying, Jesus, we're laying down our coats. We approve of you being the king. Laying down your coat is an ancient symbol of saying you're endorsing something. They really were on board with the idea that he was king and messiah. But that wasn't the only thing going on in the world. There was a spirit brewing, a spirit brewing in the air that would consume almost all of them. And I mean every single one of them were almost consumed by this. The overwhelming majority of those out there became monsters. Almost everyone in Jerusalem, including those laying down their coats, in a few minutes they would be saying, crucify him. As Christians, we understand that this is not good, but people are not naturally good. We were designed to be innocent and walk with God in the garden, but that didn't last even a single generation. Every one of us born as a son of Adam or a daughter of Eve is born with an impulse that naturally makes us want to become monsters. No one is exempt from this. And only a few will resist this urge, and they will only do it when they accept the gift from God which empowers us to live righteously. I want us to go now to Matthew chapter 27. And this is where we see Jesus being interviewed by Pontius Pilate. He's already been arrested. He's already gone before the chief priest. And now he's there with Pilate. And it reads as follows. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor. And the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priest and the elders, he gave no answer. And then Pontius Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge. And this was to the great amazement of the governor. Now, Jesus was accused of insurrection. In case you're curious as to one of the details that's hidden between the lines here, the Jewish leaders, they've come to Pontius Pilate to accuse Jesus of insurrection. They say he's trying to lead a rebellion against Rome by claiming to be the king of the Jews. 
Now, this is the claim that was used to start the crucifixion, but we also must point out that it was the mob crying crucify him that ultimately forces Pilate's hand, even though Pilate tried to wash his hands of it. He tried to to get away from that, but he's ultimately put in a position where the crowds are crying out and he gives in to them. But if we ask ourselves the question, was it actually true that Jesus was the king of the Jews? Well, the answer is yes, Christ actually is king. And there were many people announcing that. But it wasn't true in the manner that his accusers were saying. They were going out perpetuating a lie. And they had found an angle where they could twist and contort and come up with some technical way to, to throw something at the wall that might stick, even though it really wasn't true. And that's what they did. They went out pushing a sham, twisting reality. Sometimes they were out like Ryan and outright lying, but they liked to try to find some means that might be connected with something. It was just a slimy, gross thing that was going on. And this is what people do. Sadly, although it is obvious to to us today that it was wicked for people to cry out for Jesus to be crucified, it was very easy for people in that moment to behave so monstrously since they weren't fully surrendered to God. They really just wanted to kill Jesus, and they were going to find a way to make that happen. Now, there are a lot of dark things going on in our world, and yes, there's a real virus, and yes, it is very, very dangerous, but the antidote is not tyranny, and the antidote is not us surrendering to the ways of the world. The antidote is not surrendering to Nebuchadnezzar. We as the church must recognize this and be assertive on the front end of this. It's amazing how history time and time again repeats itself. But we need to be the men and women of God who rise up and we lead our world in a righteous direction. It's never easy to make moral stands because there's always a reason to be passive. We live in an era of fake virtues, and true righteousness has always been viciously opposed by public forces. You can look throughout Scripture and find that the people were mad at Moses for leading them out of slavery. Saul wanted to kill David. The people begged Nehemiah to come off the wall. And they killed Jesus in a public execution with people shouting out in favor of it. Now, we tend to tell ourselves that we would not be part of something evil, like the crowd demanding Jesus' death, because those people, they must have been different. But the truth is, if we look at the whole events of Holy Week, where are the disciples? Where were the 12 disciples when Jesus was on the cross? One of them had betrayed him and was now dead from suicide. Peter, the leader among them, had publicly denounced Jesus. And the others are off hiding somewhere. In truth, when Jesus was on the cross, it was a Pharisee, one of the most nefarious villains of the New Testament. It was a Pharisee who came to take Jesus off the cross. Nicodemus, the Pharisee, was there when the twelve were not. And I look around the world right now, I look at that video of that father being arrested, and again, with the whole logic, he's, um, he's not following the social distancing rules, therefore it's for his own good that we arrest him. It reminds me of Acts chapter 5, where the apostles were being arrested once again. They'd already been arrested, and the court system really couldn't find anything against them legitimately. And then a miracle happened, and they were free again. And in Acts 5.26, they were arrested again in this way. Acts 5.26 reads, At that, the captain went with his officials and brought in the apostles. The officers did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. 
the whole logic that we've got to arrest a dad who's with his daughter that he would be with at home because he's out in a in a empty field in a park again if this is something which is spread through people being close together you think being in a park would be a great place to be because no one's around you and you're completely surrounded by stuff that degrades over overnight basically and this is the logic that says we're going to nicely arrest you for your own good. That's what they did with the disciples. And you even saw this a little bit with Jesus. They they didn't just arrest Jesus out in the open. They waited till the night. And you even see Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew address them on this. He says, I've been teaching in the temple all week. Why didn't you want to do something about it there? Because it's never about those honest and righteous motives. It's about something a little bit more sinister. To keep the public from getting upset, they decided to nicely arrest the disciples in Acts chapter 5. They give them nice, polite beatings. And they said, well, we arrested you without force. Wasn't that nice? Yes, we all know it's much nicer when you're getting a beating as long as it's for your own good. And they have a smile on their face and say, oh, we're doing this out of kindness for you. You know, the truth is, there is no, no dignity in that. The... The pits of hell, they laugh at that video of that father getting arrested because it's a joke. And the the forces in hell, they laughed at the officers arresting the disciples nicely without force because it's also a joke. And the truth of Holy Week is that it is easy to turn against righteousness and surrender to the forces of the world when you are in danger. However, the more important truth of Holy Week is that Jesus went to the cross so we did not have to live like that. Let us rise up and be the men and women of God who we are called to be. We are called to be something better than that. Not just the church that sits around and waits to see what the government will do to help us pay our bills. We need to be the ones out leading. We need to be the ones saying, well, we can help others financially. There's the church of the dark ages, the ones that built hospitals. That's who we are called to be. But don't take this as a criticism where I'm saying it's not there. This image from someone in my congregation making these, that church can be found. It is alive, it is well. We just need to assert it and take it to the forefront. God has given us such a great gift, and the truth of Holy Week is a very, very brutal message. It reminds us of the ugly and darkness of human nature that is sinful. And it's not sinful because it's how God designed it to be, but it's how we were born when we inherited sin. It's our own fault. But nonetheless, we don't have to live like that. It's beautiful. We can be freed from it. Well, on that note, we're going to wrap this up. So I hope you enjoyed this. Send me your thoughts, questions, comments. And with that, God love you and have a blessed day.